Welcome to Retail Stories, a podcast from the Independence Day campaign, which promotes and supports independent retail businesses around the UK. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with our friends at Capify UK, whose business loan and merchant cash advance solutions provide simple, quick and responsible access to alternative finance to UK businesses. Simply visit them at capify.co.uk for more information. Later in this podcast, we'll hear about the challenges and opportunities facing the independent retail sector from Andrew Goodacre, the Chief Executive of Byra, the British Independent Retailers Association. And we will also explore how to embed great customer service into your retail business with the help of Lisa Ford, who owns an event stationery business in Shropshire. But first, everybody knows the potential that social media offers for small retail businesses that want to reach out, find new customers and spread the word about their products. But not all of us know where to start. So we asked Kira O'Mara, owner of Mama Designs, who's had spectacular success, particularly with Instagram, to give us some tips. We began by asking her to give us a bit of background to her business. So I launched Mama Designs um, in 2008 whilst I was on maternity leave with my eldest, who is now um, 12, just 12. Um, I had, I'd been made redundant while I was on maternity leave and um, was looking for a way to sort of not to have to go back to a proper job. Um, and I'd also um, come up with an idea for a product when I was breastfeeding. I was really um, self-conscious breastfeeding in public and had an idea for a discreet breastfeeding cover and tried to, bu- tried to buy one and was unsuccessful, didn't find anything available and thought, well, what about creating it myself? Um, so I decided that I was going to use my redundancy money, which wasn't a great deal at all, to, um, to set the business up and sort of give it a go. And, um, yeah, and that was the first product, which is Mama Scarf. And that was, launch was uh, November 2008. So sort of went from there. But obviously it's evolved. <laughs> and yeah. I went from one, that one product, um, which was a very niche product, um, to having a whole range of sort of uh, products for, for, to make parents' lives easier in, which I guess is our mission. Um, each product is practical but stylish as well because um, I think often you don't sort of get a combination of the two. You get things that are either very practical or, or, or they look cool and I wanted it to be, everything to be both of those things. And, and, and so what excites you about the business? What excites you about being an independent retailer? Um, uh, well, it's all I know. <laughs> but I do like the fact that as an independent, we're really kind of in touch with our audience, with our customers. They definitely get um, a more personal touch than they would if they went to a big high street uh, retailer or, or a bigger retailer. Um, we, you know, we listen to them. If they say they, they give us ideas for products or say they like um, something in this colour or that colour, you know, we, we do listen to that and we take, we take their opinions on board. We get to interact with them. Because we're a smaller company, we can kind of move faster and, and do things um, more on the ground. And I guess we get to go get to know them a bit better than you know than the average retailer would because they are small. You're a pure play online retailer, yeah. Well, we so we've got our website. We sell we sell to trade customers who will then so we'll have we we have independent retailers that we sell to. Um, we sell to some bigger customers as well, but less less so at the moment. We've kind of stepped back a bit from that really. Um, we sell, so we sell direct, which is all online. But we do have um, we do attend baby shows, which is where we get to meet the customers as well. 
so there is a bit of a we do have a, a bit of that balance, but but predominantly it's online. And what are the what are the pros and cons of of being you know essentially an online retailer? Uh, well, in terms of pros, I guess you can work from anywhere. <laughs> yep. You can have a team that um, that aren't necessarily all located in the same place. So we've got there are three of us who actually work for the business, and we're, we're um, they're all mums, all working from home, part time. I work full time; the others are part time, and it, it gives you know it gives a, a great degree of flexibility for them and also for me. It means that we can keep the team lean, and we do outsource everything else. We've got a warehouse that we use that is outsourced. You know, if we if we have design work done. We outsource that. The, the, you know, we can kind of scale up and down using that business model, which is ideal for us, really. Um, uh, I guess now more and more people shop online. It's you know, it, it is the norm, really, isn't it? So I think that makes sense in terms of not having the overheads of, of a bricks and mortar shop and not having to stash it. Um, cool. In terms of cons, I guess you don't get to meet as many of your customers in person, although the baby shows are good for us for that, but we, you know, that's only a couple of times a year, really. Um, and I think people do like to touch and feel products when they buy them. So that can be, that can be a downside. But I think, you know, we, we, you, know you can get around that. You can get around that. And I think people are more and more used to shopping online now, so... It's, it's more normal. Now, how are you using social media to promote the business and promote the products? So we've been using social media for a long time. So obviously we've been going for 10 years. And, and in that time, it's really changed. The, the whole landscape has really changed. And now the majority of time is spent on Instagram. And I think that's where our audience are. Um, we use it to showcase our products, to connect with our customers, to learn more about them, but also to tell them more about us and share our story and where we come from and what, what our products are about. Uh, we find new mums. We kind of build relationships with them. And I think it really, it, it's a really good, nice way of doing that without it being kind of a hard sound because we're sharing images that they that they that might might aspire to, so images of babies, images of rooms, um, baby stuff. Yeah. So it's just kind of a really nice way to connect with our with our ideal customers. And do you, with Instagram, uh, are you using the people can shop if you like purchase directly, shop directly through Instagram with you? So we connect our Instagram is connected via Facebook, which is how it works. But the reality is that um, I think people will just they'll, they'll see the product, and you, so you can link it that way, and then it find, it links through to the face to, to the Facebook store, which is actually just linked through to your website. So you can either do it that way, and people can shop direct, or they just they're just getting an idea of what products are available, and then coming back to you at a later date. But we t- we do ask our customers where they found out about us from, and I would say. About eighty-five percent are Instagram, are from Instagram. Wow. So it definitely is a, is an effective way of doing things for us. <clears throat> so how do you go about 
creating that, that content that you talked about? You know, how much time do you spend considering and thinking of, of what it is you need to be putting out there to represent the brand? Well, I'm a little bit obsessed with Instagram, so I'd probably spend quite a bit more time on it than most. Um, but I enjoy doing it, so, so, that, so that's okay. Um, and we use a whole combination of things, really. Some, some of the images are from our customers. Some of them are product shots that have been shot in a studio, although I do tend to use less of those types of images. Um, some are lifestyle shoots that we've done. And some are um, lifestyle images that I've created really simply that, you know, I've created either at home or I've created in friends' homes or using friends' babies. Um, I do things like flat lays, um, shelfies, which is just a case of removing everything from a shelf and filling it with, you know, baby products and other, you know, nice bits and bobs that work well and look, look good together. Um, I've mocked up nursery scenes in, in random rooms around the house, uh, regardless of whether they're a nursery or not. Um, and we've collaborated with other small businesses to create images. So we either swap products or, um, or I've bought products um, or I've been gifted products. And then I can create an image that has a lot of beautiful things in because people don't want to just look at products from one, from one place necessarily. So I can create an image that has a lot of different um, products in and then I can share that and then those of the brands that are featured can also share that. So we're all sort of um, spreading our reach as a result of that, those, creating those images. So imagine I'm an independent retailer, maybe online, maybe bricks or mortar, maybe I'm a combination of the two. And I really, I dabbled in social media, but I haven't really, you know, made best effect for it. What, what tips would you give me on, on how to make best effect of social media for my business? Okay. Well, first of all, it's definitely worth doing and it's worth investing some time, money potentially, and effort in because it's effectively giving you an additional shop window to showcase what, showcase what you're about, tell your story, um, share some beautiful images, and reach a whole potential new audience, um, I think you can definitely use it to grow sales. So it's worth, you know, because I think people don't always see the link or, or think there is a link between social media and sales, but I think I've definitely seen that there is. So it is, it is worth doing that. And it's worth, it's worth really trying to do it, do it properly because I've seen some terrible <laughs> Instagram accounts from people who you would expect more from. Um, and I think having a good Instagram account can really get you noticed. I've, I've, I've had some great opportunities as a result of my Instagram, and we've got over 50,000 followers now. But I've been discovered by, um, you know, I've been contacted by some celebrity mums, by some really big influencers who wanted to work with me on an unpaid basis just because they, you know, they, they've spotted our products on, on our Instagram feed and they like it. So I think it, it does pay off. Um, I think it also really pays to be fussy about what, what you're posting. Um, I don't post, although I said I share some customer images, I am fussy about the ones that I do share. I think it's really important to have a clear image, to not to have too much, not any mess in the background, to make sure the colours are kind of on brand. So it's good to have a, um, an, a, a look and feel for your Instagram that follows through and, you know, kind of work with a similar colour palette. If you, you know, especially if you're selling 
if you're selling products, um, I think that's particularly important. But yeah, I think it, it's definitely worth doing. I've grown my sales through focusing on my Instagram, and it's only been the last kind of three to four years that I've gone from about 400 followers to over 50,000, and that's wow. all been organic, organic growth. And now I'm teaching other small businesses how to do that for themselves. That's a phenomenal turnaround. Yeah, but it, I, I've loved doing it, and it, and it has paid off. And now I'm showing, I'm sort of doing some mentoring with other businesses, and I've got an online course that's got a whole big Instagram section on as well, sort of teaching others what to do, how I do it. Okay, so let, let's 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 um, let's see <clears throat> if people wanted to find your Instagram or your website, where where would they go? So the Instagram is Mama Designs at Mama Designs, and the website is mamadesigns.co.uk. And if they were interested in your online course, where, where, where would they go to find out details There's about that? There's a link that? on the website. It's called, it's under Mama Designs Business Club, Business Club, and it's on, on the, it's just um, in the top bar on the website as well. Brilliant. Grow your business on a budget. I've tried to make it affordable for, for smaller businesses and for startups. Well, that's excellent, Kira. Thank you so much. You're listening to Retail Stories, a podcast from the Independence Day campaign brought to you in partnership with Capify UK. Now, we're often told that the quality and personal nature of the service that independents can offer their customers is something that can set them apart from the larger high street chains. Lisa Ford owns two online event stationery businesses, Tree of Hearts and Dotty Amount Paper. They say it's always easier to retain a good customer than find a new one. So I began by asking Lisa what for her businesses was the essence of good customer service. Good customer service, to me, is making um, a journey a real personal, tailored shopping experience that makes the customer really feel valued. So there's lots of things that we do along the customer journey in terms of we do things like we give um, the customer a dedicated point of contact so they don't feel that they're one in a, a line of people. Um, we, we try to be very friendly and personal with our um, communication in terms of email and phone and we publicise on our website strongly in terms of our contact details so that you can speak to someone, you can email someone and someone will always help um, as much as possible in terms of tips and advice. Um, we try to be quick and efficient because I think that that's something really, you know, the customer's time um, is, is is crucial. People have less and less time nowadays, so we need to turn things around really quickly, but we need to make sure that we don't um, sacrifice um, quality for speed. And I think that those are really important traits that customers are looking for. Um, I think creating or gaining a new customer is quite hard work. You've got to build up the trust with someone, um, and sometimes people are coming to you, you're a small business, they may not have heard of you. And it's a, it's a harder journey almost to, to create that first customer. But if you can make an existing customer a customer more times, um, that's an easier journey to have and also better for the customer because they've bought from you before. They know exactly what they're getting and we very much work hard to make sure that every customer journey is the same. So if they come back time after time, that service should be exactly the same as what it was previously. And, and do you think good customer service is a particular strength of the independent sector? And definitely, I would say so, yes, because I think that the, the scale of an independent business means that you can offer a more bespoke service than a larger company. And that's not saying that a large company doesn't do this and, and doesn't try to do it, but I think as a smaller business, 
The person who is taking the order often knows what's going on in other departments because they may be doing several roles or they may be um, in close contact with those other departments and so know exactly what's going to happen. So I think um, within the, 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 the independent sector, because businesses are traditionally smaller, um, that opportunity to be closer to the customer is, is there more. Um, and smaller businesses do tend to try harder and work harder to achieve that because that's a real, really big um, selling point for them. How have you seen customer service itself lead to repeat business for your companies? Um, we, we've seen it definitely in terms of we, um, we, we, help, we help people um, on, a, on a very personal level by phone and by email and when customers um, come in to us, we look to see whether or not um, they, they've been with us before so that we can give them that same point of contact. So we know that definitely we, we measure our repeat business. Um, one of our brands, um, Tree of Hearts, is, is purely for wedding stationery and being trustworthy and personal is something that, that people really, really want. Um, so we, we very much emphasise those, those angles. Um, and I think that the, the more that you can do to create that return business, that then the better it is for your, your business and for the customer um, because you're building that, that level of trust um, with each transaction that happens. You, you're more likely to get word of mouth referrals, which, which are invaluable as a small business. Um, and you can grow your customer base very nicely and in a, in a personal way, um, keeping contact through marketing and general communication with them. And so, yeah, but for us, it's definitely the way to go. So if you're going to give two or three tips to people on how to, to kind of embed good customer service into the business, what, what would those tips be? Um, I would say um, build your customer service team with care and make sure that you hire the right people who understand what it is that you want to achieve with your customer service offering because they are at the front of your business and, and they are presenting you and it's crucial to get that right. I'd say that's certainly the first, the first tip I would give. Um, I'd make sure that those people are of the right mindset for your business so that um, the way that they present um, the business is exactly what you want it to be and that your, your, your business, your goals, they're all aligned with, with what the, the team members um, are engaged with. Um, and I think to, to help the staff understand how valued their role is and how much their actions can help in making the business a success, um, just in the same way the customer appreciates that an order is important to them, um, the team will appreciate um, how um, their contribution is, is making the business work much better and that would then help to motivate them within their work. Um, I think that as a, as a smaller business, um, the, the team is, is the crucial part to making it work um, because they're the ones who, who can make the changes, they can make everything happen, they can help the customer and offer the service exactly as you want it to be. Cool. And if people wanted to find your businesses online, where, where would they go to find them? And so we're online, so we've got Tree of Hearts, which is www.treeofhearts.co.uk, and that offers a wedding stationery um, of all different budgets and styles of suits. And then we have um, Dotty About Paper, which is dottyaboutpaper.co.uk, and that's for weddings, um, baby products, birthdays, death stationery, christenings, and engagement, also all of last occasions, basically.
For 120 years, Byra, the British Independent Retailers Association, has been providing support to independent retail businesses. It says that it fights for a level playing field, drawing on the strength of its membership mass to change government legislation and provide support on areas of strain like business rates, parking and staffing. So, at a time when the retail sector is under huge pressure, we can think of nobody better to give us his take on where the independent sector sits right now than Byra Chief Executive Andrew Goodacre. I think the independent retail sector is facing the same challenges as every other retail sector. Uh, we're not immune from internet sales and a changing of shopping behaviours. However, on the plus side, I think what independents can do is respond to changing needs and changing trends much quicker than say a large store. And so, certainly what I've seen from members, and we've just issued a quarterly survey indicating that the first quarter was, was positive for many of our members. Um, and I think that is better trading conditions, but also better business practice within the independent. When you say better trading conditions, what do you attribute that to? Because that kind of goes against the grain, really. Yeah, it does. I, I, I think um, if you're looking at year on year, the first quarter last year was uh, challenged by the beast from the east, and so the weather kept people away from the streets and, and uh, generally deterred people from shopping. Uh, this year we've had we've had better weather. We've had a later Easter um, as well, and. And, and, and generally speaking, there does seem, and this is feedback from our members uh, from the survey, that there has been a bit, bit more positivity in terms of people shopping. Having said that, again, it's not without its challenges because our members are, are still reporting um, uncertainty among members and mainly caused by political uncertainty and, and the Brexit argument. I was going to come on to this. Challenges, what do, they, what do they specifically see as their particular challenges at the moment? Is it, is it the uncertainty? Yeah, yeah the challenges are um, in, in three areas, I think. One is consumer confidence. Um, and are the, are the consumers spending as much as they, um, as they can, or are they choosing to be a bit more cautious because they're unsure about the economic outlook due to Brexit? Then there's the concerns about the rise of internet sales, internet shopping. And, and in that respect, it's not so much the availability. A lot of our members refer to the price um, aspect of it and, and the price comparison aspect. So concerning that area. And the third area that, that comes through loud and clear still are concerns about overhead pressures being imposed upon them. So not only is it tough economically, not only is it tough due to internet competition, um, that they, uh, an, an independent retailer is finding increasingly tough dealing with increases in rent, um, increases in national minimum wage, increases in, in uh, legislation costs, uh, cost due to legislation, uh, etc. The one welcome thing we've seen is, um, as from April, businesses with rateable values below 51,000 getting a 30% rates reduction, which we were calling for last year and uh, the government obliged. Now, the flip side of the challenge is the opportunity. So. Where do you see the opportunities over the next, say, you know, 12 months or so for the independent retail sector? I think the opportunities fall in agility of the business. Um, large chains, uh, the, the likes of Debenhams or, or any large chain that, that we've seen struggle over the last few years, really, um, don't change quick enough, really. They're bound by by brand managers and marketing managers and directors and, and purchasing directors uh, a million miles away from the customer. 
our members, independent stores, incredibly close to their customers, understand them, and can adjust their business model accordingly. I think we'll see more independent diversify. So you will not see um, a cook shop just doing cook shop items. You'll not see a DIY shop just doing DIY items. We've seen a, a, a trend towards offering a wider product range, and I think that will continue. I think in terms of service retail, we've seen that continue to grow and that will continue, so whether it's um, the growth of hairdressers and barbers or the contestants and cafes. They are retailers. They are offering a product or a service product to consumers, and I think that, that will continue to grow uh, in that respect. So the, the opportunities are there um, for, for a small independent retailer to really understand the business model focus on their product range, focus on their customer service and their, their ability to get closer to their customers than their competition. And we would urge all our members to talk to their local authority about what the local authority is doing to reinvigorate and revitalize their town centers and their high streets and be part of that and make sure that the independent aspect of shopping, the independent aspect of the high street offering is not forgotten and not all the focus is on the Marks and Spencers of this world. You, you've touched on a couple of things there. The, 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 we, we see this with the uh, with the Independence Day campaign as well. There is a lot of residual support out there among the communities for independence. Correct. The question is how can well, we, we say that this campaign is as much a campaign that independent shops can take for themselves and, and, and hopefully use it for the best benefit, yeah. creating an overall campaign that maybe one independent shop couldn't do on its own, but collectively we can actually turn into something. The question is, how can we leverage that goodwill and, and turn it into positive action? Within the independents or within the consumers? I think among the consumers. How can we leverage the, yeah. the, the consumer goodwill towards independence and actually turn that into uh, paying customers? Yeah, well, I, I agree with your sentiments there in that um, there are opportunities like Independence Day that, that where independent business, retail businesses um, need to work together to create... Um, a, a personality and, and a, a reason for using independent, focusing on diversity. Often independents will stock items that you may not see in, in the chain. Often independents will um, um, offer different bundles in order to attract customers in and so on. So if they can work together and create, um, I call it a theater, but it's, it's that noise and theater around what the independent offers, something different and the quality of service, then I think they can, they can generate the, the, quality, the level of interest from the consumer that they need. It's not easy. It doesn't always work. Um, but I, I know a street in York, Bishopthorpe Road, Bishy Road, as it's known locally, where they have formed um, a, a working group to bring people out of the centre to this, to this road. And we've got members there. We've got non-members there. The, the important thing to remember is that they're working together to create... Um, a vibrancy around and, and, and a, a noise around that particular street, and it's working. The, the, the shops on that street, generally speaking, are, are doing well and feeling good about their prospects. That's good. You, you mentioned earlier the, that you'd been calling for um, rate relief that, that now is, is going to uh, come forward. What, what, what else is on Byra's agenda at the moment? Well, the, the, we, we have got the rate relief in, but that only lasts till 2021. 
So the 30% reduction that's now applicable um, is only there for 2021. So in terms of the business rate argument, it's a question of, right, what are you going to do after 2021? And on Monday next week, we've got the Treasury Select Committee coming to our offices to meet a number of members to talk to, to real retailers about the problems and the impact that business rates have on their business. So that, that continues that, that argument that the rate system needs fundamental change, not just tinkering, it needs fundamental change to reduce the burden. We are really concerned about um, the lack of parking uh, or the expensive cost of parking and, and, and the counter. It's almost like a shopping tax, um, parking in fairness. Uh, it feels as if the, the, that's being used to, to grow incomes um, at the expense of, of encouraging people to go into town centres and browse around and, 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 you know, and get in there. So we're concerned about the parking side. Um, we'd be <coughs> equally concerned about any increases in cost prices coming in due to um, a, a hard or soft Brexit. That would be, be something that we, we wouldn't want to see. Uh, coming through, um, so, and I guess also it's getting the government to understand that the, the, the true cost of, of regulations, and I think anyone would argue against national minimum wage, no one would argue against pensions, um, and yet I, I think the burden of those is, is felt so much more at, in, within the smaller businesses. Um, it changes to payroll, for instance. Now payroll sits have to, have to have all of the information on them, and it's little changes like that, which are correct in many ways, but that causes a bigger problem for the smaller business from the large chain who need to simply flick a switch. A smaller business has to find a, a, an alternative solution. So I, I think there's a there's a real need to get government um, at both at a national and a local level to understand um, the true impact of their actions on smaller businesses. I think everybody would agree with that. Um, now, if people, if people listening to this aren't yet Byron members, just set out what's what's the benefit to them of, of joining Bayer and how do they go about doing it? Right. Well, Bayer is um, an association, but the best way I would describe it is Bayer is is a support group developed by retailers for retailers. So we understand the retail sector, um, and so I would urge anyone who's running a retail business to ask themselves where do I get the best support from? And I think we can offer that. And there's two reasons for joining us. One is commercial sense, because we use our members' collective buying power to get better rates on card processing, to get better rates of business insurance, and we have a 24-hour legal helpline to help them on, on all sorts of aspects, from dealing with their lease issues to employee contracts and, and the like. So there's a real practical thing that we do for them, and that, that would drive most people's interest in us. And then on the other side, it, it really is about a numbers game to build up the voice to make politicians listen to what independent retailers need. And the more members we have, the more people will listen to what we are saying. So there's, a, there's two strong reasons for, for coming to us and staying with us. And the, heart, the, the, the most frustrating thing is, is that I can see that the membership, which you can join by phoning us up, you can go online and join, you can ask for one of our representatives to, to call around and, and talk through what Byra does. It pays for itself very, very quickly. Um, and yet I understand the concern of a, of, a, of a new business or even an existing business. It feels like another expense. 
Um, and we have to overcome that barrier to spending that money in order to get people to see the true benefit. And, uh, but having said that, our membership is currently growing, so we're doing something right. So if they want to find you, what the, what's the web address where they can find you? Yeah, at? the best way to find us is uk. Uh, very simple. Um, and the website there, you can request a fallback, you can join online, um, you can have a good browse around at, at what people, at what we do. And if you're not sure, simply register your interest in us um, and we will send you information on an ongoing basis and hopefully you come into people to decide later on. Um, the most important thing, message I would give any independent retail business, there's help out there. Go looking for it, and we will try to find them as well. Um, but the help is worth looking for and paying for. You get the the, the benefit comes back in in bucket loads, really. That was Andrew Goodacre, the chief executive of Byra. That's just about it for this latest podcast. Please like us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts from. Our thanks to Capify UK for their support with this podcast. Please do check them out at capify.co.uk. The Independence Day campaign, which culminates each year on July the 4th, exists to help you promote your independent retail business. All you need to do is get involved. It costs you nothing. Visit our website, independencedayuk.org, and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at UK Indie Day. We'll have a new podcast for you very soon. Until then, thanks for listening, and goodbye.